This is your Other Brothers Podcast. Brothers podcast, navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. From the Jewel of the Blue Ridge, a controversial Jewel of the Blue Ridge. We're going to get to that in a moment. But my name is Tom, and I am so glad that you guys are all here. Joining me today from the City of Oaks, from his new office, it's Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Greetings. Wow. Yes, I have a new office, but uh, the people listening can't see it. Sorry. This is where the uh, the video medium is extremely helpful. So we're gonna make sure your office gets because <laughs> it's from what I can see. I haven't seen it in person yet, but from what I see on my little you know six by ten inch screen, like it's beautiful. It's magnificent. Well, don't let's not get ahead of ourselves. It still needs to be decorated and everything. So don't launch the the video pivot till okay. till I can do that. Okay, okay. Very nice. And joining us again from the folksy tundra of Minnesota, it's our other brother, Aaron. What's up, Aaron? Hello, the folksy tundra. I like that. I'm gonna have to start using that around here for the locals. (laughs) See if it catches on. Yeah, it's got a lot of syllables in it. But you know, I think once we get past those, those bumps of, of saying it out loud. I think it's I think it rolls. So it's good to have both of you guys here today as we talk about something that I can't believe hasn't been a topic yet. It's it's like referenced fairly frequently, most notably in our Christmas episode, not of this past year, sadly, I for- completely forgot. But faithful listeners will remember the Christmas episode of 2019 where I brought love language gifts for my co-hosts. It, it's something that's still brought, I still hear about it to this day. It's it's in Yab lore. It's officially Yab lore now. But we're talking about love languages as explicitly as possible, as focused as possible today in a way that we never have. Um, and specifically tying it into our sexualities. How do gift givings emerge with our sexuality? That is the big question that we are going to answer here today. So I'm excited for Ryan and Aaron to talk about this, not just gifts, but all the others, all the other love languages as well, made popularized by old Gary Chap, as I like to call him. He uh, he wrote a book, <laughs> he wrote, he's written like, there's like, I think 25 books about love languages for every type of human, singles, married, dating, military. I mean, it's like every category of human you can think of. So, um, So we're gonna talk about it now finally he hasn't written the book on on side b ssa gay christian folk but we're gonna bridge that gap here today (laughs) so gary chap if you're listening this one this one's for you come on for a follow-up we'll interview you (laughs) could you imagine interviewing gary chapman on the show like so i haven't read any of your 25 books But we talk about love languages a lot. I'm probably getting it all wrong, but 
Yeah. I think 90, 95% of us have no idea what we're talking about when we talk about love languages because I've never read the books. Have you guys read any of his five love languages books? No. 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 Okay. <laughs> We took, his quiz. So, we took a five minute quiz, so we uh-huh. are thoroughly prepared for this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's how it is with love language. I feel like nobody's actually read, even though he has all these books, I feel like nobody's actually read them. I, I don't know that I've met somebody who has actually told me like, oh yeah, I was reading I, after I read this in the love languages book. Now it's just like, what are your love languages? We all kind of know what our top two or three are. And then and that's kind of the, the point of the conversation, but we're going to try to go deeper today. And I think we're going to, I'm excited to see what, what comes of this episode. So Ryan, Aaron, congratulations, along with the rest of humanity, we reached the end of the pandemic, you guys. <laughs> did, you, well, did you hear that? <laughs> some of us have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I wanted, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I need to bring it up because like here in America, as this conversations recording the cdc made this huge announcement that if you're vaccinated you don't have to wear masks anymore and like all around the country businesses are like stripping their mask mandate and so it's been very strange and i wanted to get y'all's feedback on this because this has been such a part of our lives now like i just have a mask in my car at all times i have one at my door um to grab on the way out sometimes and it's it's been such a commonplace thing in my life as it is for so many people listening and it's bizarre to me now because I was actually just out today in some various establishments and people are not wearing masks. And where I live in happy, progressive little Asheville, I have never encountered any issues. Everyone is so cooperative. Everyone wears their masks. I haven't seen any Karens in any of the stores going crazy about having to wear a mask because they have a medical condition that they don't actually have or whatever, whatever the reasons may be. But all of a sudden, you guys, I'm going to places where people are not wearing masks and it's very jarring. And I'm still wearing mine, even though I am fully vaxxed. And I'm, I'm, I don't know, like, it's become a, a, a comfort item to me now. Like, I kind of like hiding half of my face. <laughs> I'm worried about the psychological damage now that this has done to me because it's just it just feels comfortable and normal now to wear a mask when I go inside places where germs of any kind are just sprinkled about everywhere. So I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on this. What, how are you dealing in a post-mask America? Well, apparently Asheville is cutting edge on this because Raleigh, I have not, uh, none of the businesses I frequent uh, has relaxed their mask restrictions yet. So I'm still wearing a mask to the grocery store and Costco and um, anywhere else. Although, okay, I did go to this very divey sports bar in the middle of nowhere um, the other night and there were people there and like, construction uniforms and and stuff like that and um it was and there were no masks at all uh but it wasn't really clear that it was like recently lifted or um if this place just never ever like had masks (laughs) yeah that's debatable yeah it it was it, it was it felt a little weird to just like look around and no one's wearing masks to like walk up to the bartender and like speak like two feet away from her face and just let <laughs> I know. my, my, my breath gusts. Yeah. Hit her gusts right in the nose. of breath. I feel like I can almost imaginary see people's particles now. Like I, when I <laughs> see people talk. I'm like, no, there's particles coming out, but it's, it's, it is jarring. Yeah. How, how are things in the folksy tundra? I feel like in Minnesota, the masks were probably utilitarian for most of the winter because you like, 
it's like an extra layer of warmth for your face, right? It was kind of handy. I'm not going to lie. Normally people just wear ski masks. So if they Mm. need to, if it's that cold out. So it wasn't necessarily unusual to see somebody inside a grocery store or a bank or something with their face covered or ski mask on. But um, having the mask built in has been kind of handy. The only downside is I got glasses right before the pandemic started. And so I joined the club very quickly of people who were constantly fogging up their glasses. Mm. And that was kind of a hassle. But um, we did get rid of our mask mandate. Functionally, nothing has really changed because most stores still have the requirements. Um, So, you know, I saw somebody posting on Facebook and they're like, hey, there's no more mask mandate. But I went to Target and I had to wear a mask in the grocery store and had to wear a mask in some other place and had to wear a mask. So I think businesses are still catching up, but it depends where you go to. I think as you get further outside the city, people are a little more eager to have their mask off and establishments are going to be more relaxed. I will say people need to get used to smiling again and having their smile be seen. I was right. I was um, going through a drive through with my brother and the person there was not wearing a mask, which this was like the first time I saw somebody working somewhere, not wearing a mask. And um, she was smiling like way too big. And it was her eyes were not smiling at all. It was all on her mouth. And it just kind of looked a little creepy and strange. So I think people are out of practice. And maybe. Well, it's especially funny because our president said something to the effect of like, now Americans can do what we're best at or something, something strange, like smiling. That's what we're best at. And because in my head, this is this is another issue. Like, I love talking to myself i don't know if we have any other self-talkers oh, yeah. mm-hmm. but i have constantly been going through a grocery store with all the ambient noise around so it's not like i'm like talking like i am now but like walking through the aisles and i'm like whispering to myself okay what do i need i need cereal like granola <laughs> and i like feel no pressure like i let it out like it helps me i'm a verbal processor i need to say things out loud to like know what i'm doing it gets in my head like my head is a labyrinth you guys there's all kinds of caverns and places things go so so talking things out is helpful for me legitimately but but i feel now incredibly more self-conscious going to the grocery store like like trader joe's one of my favorite places to go shop they they opened up their mask mandate but i honestly think when i go get food later this week i think i'm gonna keep the mask on i don't think i'm gonna (laughs) let go of it at least not right now like i'm easing into this this is like this weird middle this middle period where like the pandemic is still going, but things are getting better. And I don't know. It's just what a, what a time to be alive. You guys, there, there'll never be another time like this. So I'll tell you what the mask has been masking on my face. uh, Besides, Mm. besides my uh, (laughs) breath gusts. Uh, So uh, sometimes I'll just walk around with my tongue, just sort of like halfway out, (laughs) like sort of like (laughs) a dog. (laughs) <laughs> like just sort of blept a little bit out like a cat. Mm. And this this especially happens when I'm like really, uh, when I just feel kind of gross because I like ate a lot or just didn't mm. sleep well or something like that or haven't been exercising a lot. It's like and opening it's just, the exhaust port or something, like having it, some a little, like yeah, ventilation yeah. or something. Um, yeah. Or sometimes if I'm just like, stressed out i don't know like it's 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 it serves a variety of purposes i suspect (laughs) but um but i can't just walk around like that without a mask on anymore that's gonna be hard to get used to 
Yeah, the weird, creepy smiles, self-talkers, sticking out your tongue, <laughs> unshaven, just like weird facial hair happening. I feel like there's a lot of surprises to come, you guys. So stay tuned oh, yeah. for, for your local grocery stores and banks and Targets and wherever else people go. This will be fun to see. To see what we all look like again, you guys. What a what a banner time to be alive. The good news is I think the bar is pretty low now. We've managed to set a pretty low right. bar after months or years of sitting at home in our pajamas. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, who who remembers what it was like previously? I don't. Right. It's gotten so bad that I will watch TV shows and I'm seeing the characters like close together. I'm like, they are not distancing. Where are their masks? <laughs> these are these are fictional worlds of like in a pre-pandemic. They're not even real. It's just like right. it's kind of messed with me. Like Or you see I, I just, two characters shake hands and you're like <gasps> <laughs> Heavens. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, it's it's crazy. So I don't know. I hope I hope our listeners are doing well, surviving and and getting through this this weird, awkward. This is our teenage years of the post of the pandemic. Postdemic. That's kind of fun to say. I don't know, but we're getting there, you guys. One one awkward encounter at a time. Well, you guys, I, I hinted at it at the top of the show, controversially, that I'm in the jewel of the Blue Ridge. I have something to share with you guys. How fun this is. My pastor sent me a text message last week and he did it he did a little video recording of a commercial that he saw on television for Madison County North Carolina which is the county above the one where I reside so maybe a solid 30 45 minutes um, beyond beyond Asheville which is what I've affectionately called the jewel of the blue ridge since this podcast's inception um just for reasons. I just, I love this place. And I've always called it the Jewel of the Blue Ridge. But my pastor sent me this clip, this commercial from Madison County. I'm going to play it for Ryan, for Aaron, for the whole world to hear. And then we're going to analyze. <laughs> we're going to analyze what happens. So, so let's play the clip. Roll the clip. If I had an intern, that's what I would say to them. Every day is exceptional. The Jewel of the Blue Ridge. Come make memories that can't be matched in Madison County. So, so Madison County is referring to itself as the jewel of the Blue Ridge, you guys. And I looked into this. It's true. This is what they are calling themselves. I don't know when it started. I haven't gotten that far yet as far as figuring out when this nickname even started. But I am I'm either like really proud of myself or really appalled right now. And I don't know which one. <laughs> I don't know which one to be. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to do with this information. If if suddenly, well, the city of Oaks, that's that is what Raleigh is called, right, Ryan? That's mm -hmm. that's not something we made up. That it's is actually thing. Yeah. it is a thing. <laughs> but if Minneapolis or the greater the great state of Minnesota, if they start calling themselves the folksy tundra somewhere in their advertising and their marketing, then I'm gonna have some questions to ask somebody. I don't know who, but um, but I thought that was worth sharing. Thank you to my pastor for, for picking that out. Um, and at, more on this story as it develops, because yeah, I'm going to look into this and try to figure out who, which council members suggested this or how long this nickname has been in effect. Cause I swear I did not know this existed prior to naming Asheville, the jewel of the blue Ridge, like four years Wait, ago. So I don't know. So are you like happy about this or are you, do you feel like threatened? Like, so, like there's something on your toes. That's what I was saying. I don't know. Compensation. Okay. 
<laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what to feel. Like, should I feel happy feelings? Should I feel anger feelings? Should I, maybe I need to talk to my therapist about this. Like, I don't know. I, I'm trying to sift through, like I said, the labyrinth in my head, in my heart. It's, it's helpful to start talking this out because I've been keeping it in um, for these last several days. But, um, mm. but yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'm going to look into it more. And then if I have more information, I'll reveal it on a further, on a future podcast. But, um, but yeah, the jewel of the blue Ridge, it's Asheville. And apparently it's Madison County. I don't know who all is traveling to that jewel of the blue Ridge, but we'll see how well that marketing works for them. So anyway, Madison County, I can't wait. I'm going to, you know, what'd be fun is if I go to Madison County and find a sign, there's gotta be a sign somewhere. Um, that says Jewel of the Blue Ridge. If they're using it in their TV spots, there's got to be like the some kind of sign somewhere, the courthouse. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a field trip soon, you guys. So stay tuned. Maybe stay tuned to the Yob Instagram if I can find some signage to um to again either be elated or angered by. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what feeling emerges when I get there. Um, <laughs> the only other announcement I have that was that was like one one of my two announcements today. Uh, only other announcement is that every once in a while because of scheduling. Uh, we might just play around with the rhythms of the Yobcast and the Combocast. I think in general, what I prefer just for my own sanity is kind of going back and forth, flip-flopping between Yobcasts and Combocasts, have a long form and a short form podcast back and forth each month. Um, that's usually what, what happens. And then with this, with this go around, we kind of had to adjust some things on the schedule. And, and what happened was we had two Combocasts come out in a row. And so now the plan is to do two Yobcasts in a row to kind of balance bring balance back to the the podcast force, so to speak. So um, so if anyone was confused about the podcast schedule this week and that, and last, um, that's a little check-in for you guys. So so we'll see. We'll, my, my, again, my preference is alternating between the two shows, but, but sometimes it might work out better to do two short forms in a row or two long forms in a row. So we'll just see what the future brings. But had a fantastic conversation last time with one of our beloved community members, Keegan. So if you guys missed that convo cast, you can go back and listen to it. I love that episode because, and I mentioned it on the show, because Keegan called in to the Yobcast, like, I don't know, four or five episodes ago, something like that. Um, and it was really fun. Like I never had a thought in my head that, oh, he could be a great podcast guest someday. But sure enough, the way the schedule worked and the new the new introduction of this convo cast show, um, I reached out to him and he was so great to, to say yes and respond and come on the show. So, so who knows, maybe other future voicemail leavers will be guests on the show someday. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a rise to fame here in the Yob universe. So, so stay tuned. Thanks to Keegan and thanks to everyone who's come on the Convocast so far. It's been great to meet so many, so many folks in our community. It's been, it's been fun. Speaking of voicemails, not to like make not to like make this person now a future podcast guest. Who knows? But um, thank you to Logan for calling in to the Yob line. He had to leave a message about something that is near and dear to my heart and to so many of our hearts in this community. Um, and it's a fitting it's a fitting segue for this episode on love languages. He had something to say about the Enneagram, you guys. And so let's play his voicemail. And then I have some thoughts before we talk about love languages. Hey guys, this is Logan from uh, Lafayette. So shout out to Jacob, fellow Hoosier there. And I had a point, what I hope will be a point of interest on a perennial topic, the Enneagram. I remember taking it in undergrad, but I forgot what score I got. So I decided since it 
was a rather frequent topic to try to look it up, and then I found out why I forgot. So my actual score when I took it last was a dead even score for types 2, 4, 5, 6, and 7. I got one, I scored one less for type 1, one less than that for type 3, and one less than that for types 8 and 9. So, my question to you is, have you ever seen or heard of that before? And, uh, Tom in particular wanted to get your take on that. What do you make of that? So, anyway, thanks for all the work you all do and keep it up. All right. Well, it's good to hear from someone from the great state of Indiana. We have so many beloved listeners in Indiana. Shout out to the Hoosier State. I think that's what they're called. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that message. I have some thoughts about trying to find your type, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because I know this is an episode about love languages, but we're all about self-awareness here in Your Other Brothers. That's something that I really enjoy about this community is that there's a lot of people hungering just to learn more about why they are the way that they are. Um, And sexuality is a big part of that, but just figuring out kind of how, how we're wired, why we are ticking the way that we're ticking. Um, it's such a cool commonality to find among so many people. And I know other people are also like really sick of it. And so there's that we have, I hear you and I see you as well, a sizable portion of our, of our listenership of our community. But here's what I would say. If you're stuck between trying to figure out what types you are, my number one advice is always, I mean, in anything in life, go to the dark side, read about all the reasons these types are awful or unhealthy, and then see if it pricks any chords inside of you like oh that feels really uncomfortable because that feels really true of me when I was stressed out or when I was yeah cutting off people or whatever um that's always my number one advice like to kind of yeah it's nice to look at all the ways these types are beautiful and redeemable and bring beauty to the world that's great and all but like go to the parts where these are the worst people in the world and try to figure out which type aligns with you best that's why that's how I find it helpful for me to determined that I was a four because I went to the dark side of four and I was like, yep, that is me. And that is not pretty. Um, It hits a little close to home there. Yeah. Cause like in the Enneagram, uh, when, when we're healthy, we kind of exhibit lots of different characteristics of lots of different types. And so I think healthy people are typically harder to type. So congratulations on that. Um, (laughs) But like when we're unhealthy, when we're in stress, when we're breaking down, um, like we, we, that, that's when it tends to get more focused. Like we tend to kind of display, um, like telltale signs of our type in those situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then my number two advice, it's like, it's starting to get a little deeper into Enneagram. Some people are very surface level and that's fine if that's kind of enough information that you need. That's totally fine. No judgment. Um, but I've found that the deeper I go and the more like layers I find to the Enneagram, the more fascinating it gets to me. Um, and so there's something called the stances in Enneagram. Uh, Ryan, Aaron, are you familiar with the stances, the three stances? Is this the social, sexual self-preservation? No, those are, those are the instincts. There's, there's instincts. Um, so there's three stances, which, Um, I listened to some podcasts and I've read some materials. It seems like the stances are the best way to at least narrow down your type to three. Um, And so I know Logan mentioned he's either a two, four, five, six, or seven, which are five very different types of humans. Um, And so they all fall into these stances. Um, It really does depend on um, the stances answer this question. When you want something, how do you tend to act? 
to get it. And so there's three stances, the aggressive stance, which are types three, seven, and eight, the dependent stance, which are types one, two, and six, and the withdrawn stance, which are types four, five, and nine. And so all of these stances are, they're grouped that way because it's it all hinges on wanting something and how do you respond in order to get what you want. Um, and so basically with the aggressive stance, um, threes, sevens, and eights, they are bold, they're aggressive, assertive to get what they desire, to achieve whatever goals that they set. Um, the dependent stance, ones, twos, and sixes are less bold, less assertive. Um, they depend more on relationships to achieve what they want. And then the withdrawing stance, um, which is proudly represented today by two thirds of our cast. Of our cast, uh, withdrawing stance best pursues their goals and desires when they have the chance to be by themselves and away from others to kind of reflect on what they want and to kind of form more of a, a plan of attack, so to speak, um, when they are able to process that. So, um, so my advice, I feel like it's pretty. I feel like in general, if you have a decent level of self-awareness, you can probably put yourselves in one of those three categories. And then at the very least, you've now narrowed it down to three, like you're one of three types within each of those stances. And so that would be my advice to Logan, to anyone else who's intrigued by the Enneagram, trying to figure out, go to the dark side first, um, but then maybe figure out which stance you are if you fit into one of those three categories. And then at least you've narrowed it down to three. And maybe within those three, you can clearly narrow it, narrow it down to two. Because um, I've had friends over the years who are torn between being a two and a six. And that makes a lot of sense because they're both in the dependent stance. So so that's my advice. I hope uh, take it for what it's worth. Yeah, I found two. Um, I found two that when I was going through my Enneagram test, I had... I had two that tied for first. I don't remember exactly how the scoring worked. And then I had four that tied for second. And there were only like a few points below whatever my first two were scored at. Um, so I can commiserate with the difficulty of trying to figure out results from personality tests. I found that was true for Myers-Briggs and a lot of other right. tests that I took too. Like I just don't come out very clearly, whether because I'm really healthy, like Ryan speculated. I hope that's the case <laughs> or because I'm just really not self-aware. I'm not sure. But um, for me, what was the most helpful was reading through more of the detailed descriptions and then thinking about, I think, weaknesses, like Tom said, and then also core motivations. So I'm a six and I was kind of stuck between a six or a nine and then a whole bunch of them being second. And I think for me, what it came down to was I could see once I spent more time thinking about it, that my core motivator was more anxiety focused than it was, you know, peacemaker doing it, you know, in that way. But um, yeah, I think the Enneagram is just very hard to test for. Like, I kind of wish tests didn't exist because yeah. I don't think that people really get a really I, I, I don't think it gives you a good start into the Enneagram starting off with the test. I think it's best to like read through a lot of material about the different types. And I think the, the more you learn, the more it will be kind of become clear, like, Oh yeah, this is, this is me. Yeah. I think the Enneagram more than anything else, it's really the complete, it's on the other end of the spectrum from the love languages test, which I'm about to reveal my results for <laughs> like love language test. I feel like it's a lot more bare bones. Like, yeah. Do you like hugs? Do you not like hugs? You know, it's like pretty more clear cut versus, Enneagram is so deep, it's so layered and nuanced, and there's a lot to it. And so 
so yeah, I think if you start poking around, if you if you get intrigued, then there's there's an endless well of things that you can go down. Stances and instincts and wings and all kinds of things. And um, I don't know, it's been a helpful point in my growth just to, again, become more self-aware, realize my patterns, realize what triggers me and what I'm motivated by, as Aaron was, was saying. Um, so Logan or anyone else listening, if you want to send me an email, I'd love to talk more. I'd love talking about the Enneagram. So feel free to shoot me an email anytime. Um, and I'm sure someday you guys will do an Enneagram podcast. I think that has been something that has been, there's been a swell, a, a ground swell for the last couple of years of, of doing some kind of an Enneagram podcast. So maybe if this Love Languages podcast goes well, maybe that's something that can <laughs> can emerge sooner than later. That could be a, a whole new series in the, the Your Other Brothers podcast network. We should just have an Enneagram podcast, honestly. And then we could just like put all of our Enneagram talk on there. And then anyone who's sick of the Enneagram doesn't have to listen to a word of it on the main show. That would, that would probably be really good, honestly. (laughs) So, so we'll see. Which brings us to our sponsor for this episode on love languages. I honestly feel like there's something missing, you guys. I don't know. This could be a fun Yabalog uh, side segment, but I've always felt like five lang- love languages is not enough. There, there's, there are more categories out there. And for me, humor, humor is a love language. If someone is on the same wavelength with me as far as our sense of humor, like I don't, that doesn't necessarily fit into like words of affirmation or I don't know, like, I don't know what that would fit into. Um, so for me, the sponsor of this episode, I'm so delighted. They are the sixth love languages. The sixth love language. Memes. Memes are the sponsor for this episode. <laughs> or as I used to know them, I when I first when I was trying to get hip with the times with internet culture back in the day, I thought they were called memes. I called them memes. So wow. big shout out to to memes for sponsoring this episode because memes are delightful, you guys. They are the best part of the internet. And the internet is a dark, odious despicable place but memes make the life make the world better so thank you memes sponsorship uh, sponsorship from memes that's a big get that's a big big get that's like forget nike like we're doing great (laughs) yeah no i mean hundred thousand downloads ryan we've been we're getting up there yeah we're we're pair of thieves missed the boat like they they missed it they missed it we've got memes now (laughs) I'm still waiting on that phone call. That'll be the day. The day. I mean, we are responsible for some percentage of their sales based on how much we promote their products. I am just astounded that we have not heard from Mr. Pair of Thieves. I, I don't know what's what's taking so long. But you guys, let's talk about love languages. I'm really curious to hear. I think we've all taken... Ryan brought a printout. So we all have results from old Gary Chaps website and we're going to share what our love languages are my suspicions are they're all going to be very similar because i think after we share our results i'll share our zoom results because we had a zoom room last week with our yobbers um and i put a poll out to the 20 people that showed up for that zoom room um and so i still have those results saved and so my suspicion is that they'll run similar with the cast here today um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I know Ryan and Aaron pretty well, so I could be wrong. We'll see. We'll see what the, I mean, the tests don't lie, right? The, we'll see what the tests said, um, what box that Gary Chap put you in. So um, so why don't we go to the folksy tundra first? Why don't we go to Aaron? Um, and there's the test. If you go to five, we'll put a link into it if people want to, if they just love taking tests like I do. Um, fivelovelanguages.com. There's a 
free little five minute test that you can take, um, whether you're single or married or whatever the other categories are. Um, so Aaron, do you want to share with us what your top love language is? I do. I do very much. Yeah. My top love language is physical touch. And I believe this was true when I first took the love language test, I don't know, several years ago, um, took it again a few days ago and no big shock. Physical touch is still my number one. What's the score on that? Yeah. Yeah. What's your percentage? Uh, it is 33%. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) That's a judgy. O. let's go to the city of Oaks. Ryan, what is your top love language and what's your percentage? Oh, that wasn't a judgy O because I also scored top uh, at 33% physical touch. No kidding. Oh, so it was like an intriguing O. I thought it was a judgy O. Yeah. I thought you were going to be like, oh, mine is 80%. (laughs) 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 Mine is so dominant. Um, Very interesting. Okay. Because I didn't know how the percentages work. I guess it makes more sense now, now that I hear what y'all's answers are. Because I was like, what does the percentage mean? But I guess it's all divvied up by 100%. So... A third of your love comes through physical touch is essentially what we're going to just decree. Mm, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, my number one at 40%, you guys, 40% was quality time. Mm. And I think, well, I don't think, I know. I knew that those two would be our top two, um, both on the cast here today and then also with our Zoom room because it's Real quick, let me just run through our poll results from that Zoom room. Um, the most uh, most represented from, from that Zoom call was quality time with half of the people. So 10 of them had quality time. And then physical touch with eight people. And then we also had one for words of affirmation and one for gifts as their top love languages. Um, so that, again, I've noticed in this community, it t- seems to tilt very heavily toward touch and quality time. Um, I'd be curious to hear the complete rundown now, you guys, as we as we get to what our least resonant love language is, the one that we could just throw out the window. We don't want it. Get it out of my life. <laughs> yeah, uh, Aaron, so what was, what was like, yeah, your complete rundown? Yeah, so number one was physical touch with 33%. Uh, coming in at a close second was quality time at 30%. And uh, so that was real close. And then a not so distant third was words of affirmation at 20%. Then acts of service at 13%. And the one that could clearly be thrown away at 3% is receiving gifts. Oh, poor gifts. Mm. Not that I don't like gifts. People are still welcome to send them my Mm, way. mm. Not anymore. (laughs) Um. So uh, words of affirmation and quality time were tied for me for next place at 23%. And then acts of service and receiving gifts were also tied for last place at 10%. Wow. Um, hmm. I, I, I will say if I had to like throw away one of acts of service or receiving gifts, it would be acts of service except mm-hmm. for rides to the airport. Um, as I'm thinking about it, that's like one act of service that I really, really appreciate. Uh, but other acts of service, I just, 
Like I have a very particular way I like things done and I just would rather do it my way. We we joked about doing your dishwasher. Or that's that's what I still owe Jacob. I still owe doing mm-hmm. his dishwasher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, if you load my rack. dishwasher, then after you're gone, I'm unloading it and loading it correctly. <laughs> you think you've done something great for him, but you've actually, <laughs> you've actually just annoyed him. Um, really interesting. Yeah, we have very similar results, you guys, because I have tie for second, words of affirmation and physical touch at 20%, and then gifts at 17%, and acts of service, a solid 3%. That is clearly the one I am chucking out the window. And I have reasons why tied to my sexuality, masculinity, that I'm excited to share about actually very soon. Um, but it's really interesting because, yeah, it's pretty much in line with our, our Zoom call as well, according to their... Uh, oh, actually, I already read it. So, yeah, they the lowest ones were words of affirmation and gifts with one. Acts of service had zero um, that people resonated with. So I feel... Um, like, again, there are exceptions. There are people that are extremely top in acts, acts of service and gifts and all that listening. So I don't want to, like, make sh- like make this episode be about making you feel invisible. But um, but I just know that a healthy majority of our community resonate with these kind of top two. And, and so I figured that's probably where we'll spend most of our time in this conversation with quality time and physical touch. But I definitely want to hit on the other three as well. I figured we could start out there, you guys, and then kind of work our way up toward the... Uh, the higher billing, <laughs> the love languages that, that a lot of people in our community seem to share. So yeah, it's going to be a fun conversation because I've never like explicitly thought about the love languages through the lens of my sexuality. It's always just been as Tom, the human, the person, whatever. And so, so it'll be fun. Like I've been processing it today as you guys have as well. So as mentioned, I'm a verbal processor. I need to say things out loud. So I'm, I'm curious to see what comes out of my mouth um, with everything I've been processing about each of these five. Um, and I want to start out, why don't we just start out with acts of service? Cause we've kind of started hitting on that already. Um, do does anything come to mind you guys when it comes to acts of service and why it's low on all of our lists, why we don't care for it as much as the other, other types. Cause I have something that I could share and I could potentially start out with that, but I was curious if any of you guys had any thoughts. Um, I think. You know, I, I honestly can't think of many times when somebody has like offered me like a significant act of service, like something that I really needed and couldn't do for myself. And, and, and it was sort of like meaningful in a, in a loving sort of way. Um, and so it could be as simple as because of, because of my lifestyle, because of my community because of any number of factors, like I just haven't really experienced it in a way that sort of ignites my heart to say, oh man, I really, I really feel loved right now. Like, I'm so glad that happened. Right. I tend to think that a lot of the lack in SSA Christians lives, whether they're in a mixed orientation marriage or celibate stem or kind of focuses around more of those close, more interpersonal, intimate moments of feeling validated by other people. Um, and like having needs that can't be met on our own. Like you can't really give yourself words of affirmation very easily. You can't really, I mean, you can't give yourself physical touch doesn't mean anything or do anything. 
uh, or quality time. Right. I mean, you can try, but it's just not the same. Versus- Somebody didn't listen to the masturbation <laughs> episode. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, do I say it or do I just let that pass? <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> no, but I think like for gifts and acts of service, it comes down to you're sort of able to do those things a little more easily for yourself mm-hmm. if you want to. Yeah. For me, mm-hmm. something that I landed on with acts of service is like, I'm just an independent person by default. And so it feels awkward. There's a character character flaw in me where it's hard for me to accept help. And I know that's something that a lot of people have. It's not unique to me by any means. Um, so that's part of it. There's an inherent thing in me that just wants to do something, to know how to do something, to be able to, be able to do something by myself. And so I feel extremely insecure And this ties into something like CrossFit, bringing CrossFit into the conversation. Like when I go into a CrossFit gym, when I first joined, I have no idea how to hold the bar or how to squat or how to move my arms in such a fashion. And and to be taught that, to be shown that um, is ultimately beneficial. It's it's kind of why I was there, right? To learn things that I didn't know before. But but it took a while to kind of, it feels like a hit on my masculinity that I don't just inherently know how to do this thing, that this, this person has to teach me um, how to do something that I feel like everyone else picks up on maybe a lot more quickly. And I'm someone who learns by doing, so you could show me a schematic or you could show me diagrams or you could show me, um, a YouTube video, but unless I'm actually doing it, like I, I don't really learn it as, as easily. I'm more of a kinesthetic learner. And so, um, so something like that where, and, and it could be like other things too. Like when I was, when I was hospitalized last year and it was recommended that I don't really go out because my, my immune system was just super fragile, especially during the pandemic. And so I had friends in town who were getting me groceries and I kind of just relied on them to go out, buy some groceries for me because it was just kind of less of a mental headache to, to have to go out and, and, um, hold my breath while I'm, while I'm getting things and, and trying to survive that way. And, and it felt like a, a little bit of a hit on my masculinity there too. Like, man, am I just, this is what's happened to my body. I, I can't even go out and get groceries for myself or do my own laundry or whatever. Like I just felt so, um, at someone else's, at someone else, like I needed another human to help me, which is not my default mode of operation. So in a, in a sense, it was good for me to experience that because I feel like I'm more, more apt to receive help than I've ever been after what I've gone through over the last year. But, but it is still something that just causes me extreme, not extreme anxiety, but it's like, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable if someone does something for me, kind of like Ryan's dishwasher example, like in general, I feel like generally I can do it. Like I have my way of doing things and that's the way I want to clean my house or set up things or have a schedule for the week. And then when other people are trying to help and chip in, like I, I see what they're trying to do, but then it just feels like there's a disconnect because it's just not, yeah, it's not, it's not what I'm wired to receive. There are other ways to love me. Um, and I just kind of pride myself maybe to a fault of, of doing things my way. So, so that's kind of what I landed on with that today. It was more so tied to masculinity than, than sexuality. But I think there's, I think there's an element too of like men, like men helping me. Like, do you guys have any thoughts on like, if a man tries to help you versus, you know, just any old person, a woman, an acquaintance or whatever, like, do you feel, cause I just feel completely, I don't know, just overwhelmed by that. I think, I think, um, I feel, I, I have, a, I, I sort of imagine many of my straight male friends, uh, being kind of standoffish, of like receiving help from other men um, because because they feel inadequate 
Um, like it, it does tie into masculinity, but, but I think that that's something that I don't get hung up on quite as much. Like if, um, if someone comes over and like helps me, if I need help moving furniture around my house, like I don't, I don't feel like my masculinity is threatened so much by needing help with that. Gotcha. I mean, I think generally for us, say guys, like you're looking for connection to guys and, you know, this is something that could go into a whole podcast of its own has, but talking about kind of the different forms of what SSA embodies itself as besides just sexual attraction. Um, I think people, you know, we tend to maybe long for just that affirmation from men and feeling like one of the guys and stuff like that. Mm. So um, I think we're more apt to receive that love from guys and we want to receive it from guys. And I also think to Ryan's point, um, maybe the difference in view of masculinity where uh, personally, I just feel less like I'm worried about not being man enough by asking for help than I am about, you know, trying to receive that love from my male friends. Yeah. I think about things like with not being man enough, like I don't, I'm not like a huge engineer type of person. Like, I don't know how wires and things like car stuff and plumbing and electric, like I have, I have plenty of people in my family who are extremely gifted in that regard. And so it's so easy for me to feel inferior if that's how I'm judging my masculinity and, and kind of how that bleeds into my sexuality of feeling different set apart from, from other men. Like I feel it takes the right person if they're trying to teach me something or, or like help me with something like it takes the right, kind of the right, the right personality of having like a sense of empathy or a sense of just like not feeling above me, but like working with me alongside me. Like it takes a, which again, it's grateful. All of these love languages, like if you're, if you're somebody who's really great at it, like then then I think I, I think I can respond well to each of these. Like some of them are easier, more natural for me to respond to. But, but if there's an access service person who's just really good at it and really empathic and really just kind and caring and willing to work with me to do something, I think that's that's a huge thing. And and like Ryan, that was an amazing example. Airport rides like that. What an active service to be able to have someone who can pick you up or drop you off. Like I've been blessed by many a friend over the years to to do that. And that's that's a huge that's a huge one. Yeah, and I'm incredibly not handy. And so we, we, uh, have a house and we had to put gutters on and had somebody out here. I don't know, a few weeks ago now who is giving me an estimate on gutters, looking around the place, telling me where I did need gutters, where maybe I could get by without them. And there was one spot right in front of our garage door. And he, it was just a tiny little strip. And he's like, you know, I don't think it makes sense to put a gutter here and a downspout and everything. It's a lot of money. And you really just need the water to come out maybe another foot from the garage door so it doesn't go under. He's like, if you're handy, you could just get a ladder. You could run up there quick, put a little sheet of metal in underneath here. And he's describing all the ways to do it without damaging my shingles. And I just stopped and looked at him and went, what if I'm not handy? <laughs> and he just, he just kind of <laughs> laughed and was like, um hmm okay and no well i i will be out here sometime in the next few weeks you'll just see me in my truck and i'll come out and i'll take care of it for you free of charge (laughs) and stuff and i thought that was just that was really funny but it was Uh actually that was a great example of an act of service that i really did appreciate and he just came out and did it for free and was very helpful but yeah that's shout out to that guy that's nice i know the joys of home ownership 
I'm sure Ryan know. I'm sure Ryan's dealt with many a gutter over the years. Well, and now you pretty much have to take his quote, his estimate, right? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, somebody else that comes sealed back. the deal. Yeah, it was a yeah. good sales tactic. Nice. Something else. Well, that's acts of service, you guys. Why don't we talk about gifts now? Because, okay, when I was thinking about gifts today, gifts. I think even though gifts were 17%, they weren't the lowest for me. Acts of service was the lowest at 3%. I think gifts though is more stressful to me because I think there's more of a hit or miss quotient with gifts. Like if the gift doesn't land, I'm just kind of, I don't know what to do with that. Receiving gifts, yeah, is tricky for me. And then giving gifts like Christmas time and birthdays and whatever times you're supposed to give gifts. Like I just hate that. Mm -hmm. I hate it when those times come around because I'm like, what do I give? other than a, like a gift card, you know, just like, let's just really s- remove all of the emotion from a, a gift and just like make it straight cash. Like I, I struggle like every once in a while when the, when the stars align with the right person, I can think of a really great gift for somebody, but more often than not, that is not the case. I just am not wired that way to, to inherently know either ahead of time or in the moment spontaneously, like know what someone would really love and to be able to then get that for them. But then when they get something for me, again, when people are wired this way, it's fantastic. I have so many like art pieces, decor pieces that have been gifts over the years and people who are just really wired and they know what I like and they know kind of my motif and my my um, my look and feel, my vibe. Like if they know me and they're good at it, then then I, I love getting gifts from those people. So so that's that's all great, we're all in great. But but how do you guys feel? Yeah, in general, I know we all ranked gifts pretty low. Like, what what are y'all's feelings on gifts, and how it might may or may not tie to your sexuality? Because I wanted to, to tie around to that when I when it gets back to my turn. Yeah, I, I'm like you, Tom. Where if it's like forced gift giving, like I hate that. Like I can never think of the right thing in time, and I wound wind up like giving a really awkward gift, or just a bad gift, or just no gift, um, and. But, but like, if I think of the right gift, if I think of a gift that I'm excited to give, like I, I make it happen. Like you can't stop me from getting that thing for that person. Like, for example, um, Tom in 2019 or something, maybe 2020, I don't know what is time. Um, the past. Uh, when I was up at, at your apartment, it became clear that you do not have a way to listen to music when you're just hanging out in your apartment. Yeah. And so I said, grab your keys. We're, we're going to Best Buy and I'm getting you a Bluetooth speaker. Cause I know this really great brand and I love this speaker. And this is like going to be your like Christmas and birthday presents all, all wrapped in together. And I just felt like it was a, a perfect gift that you really needed. I hope that was true. Um, but, uh, but that's my, that's my, like suddenly the gift giving, like kind of the flip, the, the switch flips and I'm like, it, this has to happen. Aaron, don't tell Ryan, but I hated that gift. <laughs> no, I was the other side of it. Ryan, Ryan, I de- this is so funny because I debated bringing that up, but I didn't want to like embarrass you or like put a spotlight on you. So now that you brought it up, I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, because that was that was a great gift because I I'm still getting settled. I feel like I've acquired a lot of things at my apartment where I where I've been living for a year and a half now. But but I had lots of holes. I had lots of things I needed to get from a kitchen table to a couch to a you know chairs and things to put on the wall. So it's been a long process of filling out my apartment. And so, yeah, Ryan was up. I'm pretty sure it was last year, sometime last year that you came to visit. And, mm-hmm. um, 
And yeah, that was a really meaningful gift because yeah, now I can listen to music and like I like to put projections on the wall and so it's nice to like have a movie night and we can actually hear the thing instead of having to like crane our ears to the laptop speaker, which isn't really that effective. Mm-hmm. So um, so that was a really great gift. I'll give you, yeah, huge points for that, for that one. Um, tying it to sexuality, I have had a few experiences in the past where I was like really like crushing on a guy and like did the thing where you you buy him an awkward Uh-oh. gift and like give it awkwardly and it's like such a such a letdown because it never means as much to them to mm. receive it as you sort of picture in your head. Is it kind of manipulative in a sense? I feel like any of these love languages can be manipulative with people, mm. but but is that maybe a little? Of, I I, yeah. I felt like mostly it was just I'm trying to. I'm I'm trying to express my emotions. Yeah. And I just don't know how. And uh and here's here's a, a gift and it's just kind of weird. And it falls flat. Yeah. The gift thing is the thing that falls the most flat for me. It's like so hit or miss. Like when it's hit and it's great, like, oh, what a great gift. Mm-hmm. But then when it's a miss, especially with another man, yeah, it's like totally different dynamic if it's because a lot of the a lot of the friends I reference like are females females have given me some amazing gifts over the years and that's a completely different vibe for me versus if a male like if a male gives me mm-hmm. the perfect gift like it's like again this like increase of this quotient of love that I feel because of my sexuality but then um but then the miss the disconnect that's that's also really hard <laughs> hard to reckon with as well yeah like that the, there was uh this guy i was super um stuck on for a while i wrote a blog article about him and this is back in like 2015 or something and i had just discovered pair of thieves underwear and i got so close like this close to buying him underwear Whoa. and gifting <laughs> it to him and looking back i am so glad that I didn't do that because <laughs> I like, will say you know, what's, I'm what's the I'm opposite glad. of like looking back and cringing is like looking back and like the, the uncringe, like, Oh, thank God. I, didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm kind of glad. Well, I am glad that you didn't do that, Ryan, but I, this, the content part of me is really like disappointed that you didn't because <laughs> what a story you could have shared with us, but I'm glad you didn't either. Ultimately. Yeah. That's, that was a good call. I wouldn't be able to uh, enjoy my pair of these underwear today if if I had done it. They'd be ruined. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about what about you, Aaron? Any any gift giving stories, thoughts, perspectives tied to your sexuality? Um, great question. I, I would echo a lot of what you guys said. It's hit or miss. I don't like the general seasonal force construct of gift giving. I appreciate the gesture. I like. I like getting people gifts, but my problem is I would rather wait for inspiration to strike and get the gift immediately. Cause what ends up happening sometimes is it'll be like July and I'll think of the perfect Christmas gift for somebody or just gift generally, but like I'm waiting now for the reason to give them a gift. And then the actual like holiday comes around or their birthday and it's either no longer relevant or, I've forgotten about it and I'm back to that stage of like, what do I get this person? Um, Or they just don't need it. So Mm. yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one. And I guess I'm not sure how I would tie that one into my sexuality too much, but I would agree getting a gift from a guy as is probably true with all of these love languages would feel different than from women. And partly I think 
maybe it just comes down to stereotypically straight guys are not really that great at exhibiting love of any form. So I think getting it from one from somebody feels really unique and special. I would love to do this podcast with straight men and get what their lineup is because we're so tilted toward quality time, physical touch in this community. It's like so consistent. Like I've constantly heard about that over the years. And we we do these little polls at the retreat where people will enter into the circle if this resonates with them. And so it's always quality time, physical touch. But um, but yeah, I last thought I had on on gift giving is that I feel like I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. I just at least from my vantage point, gifts has has always felt more of a feminine love language to me like I've never had a plethora of men in my life who are really great at giving gifts and so I think that enters into it a little bit too it kind of makes me uncomfortable I guess if I'm like like do I even want to be good at gift giving if that's kind of more of a girl's way to express love because you know girls will get all kinds of elaborate Christmas presents or bachelorette presents or whatever um I don't know that's just always been something that I can't it's not necessarily a good thing to think but that's just always kind of the lens that i've had through gifts too is that it it feels more of a feminine thing and if i'm you know pursuing masculinity then it kind of feels counter to that sometimes but i want to be known as somebody that um that's a little more honed in like kind of in the zone like if i'm out in a city exploring and there's and i see something in the window that i feel like a friend of mine or a family member would enjoy like um to be more spontaneous, kind of like you were saying, Aaron, with, when the moment strikes, to to be open to that because more often than not, I am not. So that's kind of my my closing thoughts on on gifts. Words of affirmation. This is an interesting one because I'm a writer, and I, I I was actually shocked when the results came in because if I was ranking my own love languages, it just like by my gut, it, it tied with physical touch. So if I was going to break the tie, the way I would structure my my pyramid or my hierarchy of love languages, I would have quality time definitely at the top. I would put words of affirmation number two, physical touch number three, and then um, gifts and acts of service after that. Because I don't know, just as a writer, as someone always constantly playing with words, like I see the power of words. I see the harm in words, um, but also see the beauty and the uplifting quality of words as well. And so... Um, Maybe this goes to my love for memes, like this, like playing with language, like playing with verbal language. Like, I think that's just something that I creatively enjoy. And so, um, so yeah, I've been so blessed over the years to people writing like to the PO box. Like I mentioned this on the zoom line. I joked, I'm not, I'm not expecting letters to come in the mail, but I did joke on the zoom call the other week, um, with our yobbers that, yeah, if y'all, if y'all want to write me a letter and just affirm me, I would, I would love that. I would, I would not be opposed to that. Um, and so many people have written in over the years, whether through the snail mail or through email. And I've been just really blessed by what people have had to say. Um, it's, it means a lot to be encouraged because I just feel incredibly forgetful. I feel like it's, it's easy for me to forget the encouragement I got this morning, let alone, over the course of my life. And so it's, it's really meaningful, especially when other men affirm me again, it goes back to that masculinity piece of feeling, feeling like I'm an equal, feeling like I'm one of them feeling like if like, if a man tells me he's proud of me or that he loves me, like that goes, that goes a long way versus not to say that I don't enjoy when a woman tells me that, but again, it hits different. It lands different when, when a man does. Um, I'm curious with you guys, cause it came up in our zoom call that there were some people who enjoy words of affirmation, but then there are also other people who kind of have an aversion to it. Like it almost feels like if it's pitying language, like if someone is going out of their way to encourage you or to say you're doing a good job or, or whatever, it almost comes across with a connotation of pitying versus 
um, uplifting. And so I'm curious if that appeal applies to you guys at all. If like, if you, if you trust the words that are coming your way, um, from, especially from other men, as we look at this through the lens of our sexuality. I think I, you know, there, there's certainly like words of affirmation that feel empty and then they're, therefore they're meaningless. Um, if that's what they're talking about. Um, but, uh, but I guess like, uh, qual- words of affirmation and quality of time, we're kind of getting into the region of love languages where it's like, okay, who, who, who doesn't like to receive words of affirmation from someone they love? Who doesn't, who's going to say, Oh, I, I, I love this person a lot. I just don't like to spend time with them. <laughs> I would say, I'm not going to call him out, but I kind of am. He likes to be called out. I think Matthew is somebody who would not put words of affirmation too high on his list. I think Matthew would much rather, Matthew called the offline, get your perspective on the love languages. But I think, I think he more prefers to do things with guys and, and, humans in general. I don't think he necessarily needs to be told, I love you. You're doing a good job, sweetie. Like keep going. You know, I think, I don't think he, I don't think that lands with him as just on his personality and what I know of him. But it feels like there's a difference between the words not meaning anything and actually like actively upsetting you in some way mm-hmm. or feeling like you're being patronized or I think a lot of it is just our experiences yeah like I don't know like especially when we get to physical touch like we get into the realm of abuse maybe and people are have an aversion to physical touch based on that part of their stories um I think words of affirmation can have a similar effect of like if you have a difficult experience with people encouraging you over the years or their words didn't hold up um a lot of betrayal and friendship like I think that can be a sore spot for, for a lot of people that, uh, that they don't trust the words. There's not, there's not a weight there. Like show me the actions behind the words. And maybe mm-hmm. that's maybe acts of service are higher for those types of people. I don't know. Yeah. I know for my brother, he would, I was talking to him a little bit about this the other day and he is straight. So there you go. Bring in a straight perspective for okay, a minute. Good. Um, he, he made the comment, you know, like talk is cheap and prove it with your actions. So prove it with, quality time and and things like that, rather than just saying the right Mm -hmm. things per se. So it depends though. I think how your past has been with words. I think, like you said, whether you've had a history of the person telling you things and it being meaningful or them maybe breaking that trust. Mm-hmm. Now, now that we're talking more about words of affirmation, it occurs to me that like, I don't care a whole lot about kind of generic words of affirmation, like, oh, you're doing great. Or, you look great. I think what, um, what I, what I think about like for words of affirmation that really impact me emotionally is very is specific things like, oh, here's something that I admire about you. Let me tell you the story of how it, it helped me or changed my life or impacted me. Mm-hmm. Um, or, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think like it, it kind of, it, maybe it's the difference between like a, uh, a handshake physical touch versus like a hug or something more. Yeah. Like, There's degrees. There's mm-hmm. degrees to all of these, um, all of these love languages. So I'm glad, glad you hit on that. Um, last thing I want to point out with words of affirmation, how do you guys feel when a man says, I love you? Is that awkward? Is that hard to receive? 
Oh, I love it. <laughs> I think I think it used to feel awkward, maybe, but yeah. um, but not anymore. And I could clarify, men in general, or men within Yab or the side B world, like there, there's probably maybe different ways you might react um, mm. to any man at all. Of- the Trader Joe's cashier, when when he says "I love you" every time I check out, I say, <laughs> "I know." I know the Han Solo approach. Uh, yeah. What about you, Aaron? How do you, how do you feel those three words? Cause those are powerful words, but people receive them in very different ways. Yeah. I, I like it as well. I think I generally receive it pretty well. It may depend a little bit who's saying it and if it feels like, you know, there's some sort of ulterior motive or what they're trying to imply with it. But generally speaking, I just think it's lovely. It's nice. It's nice to have somebody say that and express it verbally rather than just Hmm. like assuming that, you know, I think. And then there, there's an affirmation that I like to hear even more, which is I like you. Like if someone, someone says, Uh, I like you and actually, and I can, and I know they mean it. That's even more meaningful to me. Yeah. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to close the episode by saying I love slash like each of you. (laughs) <laughs> hold, hold me to it uh, let's get to the big two you guys so quality time I don't want to like mush these together but I'm just saying the last two physical touch quality time those are the ones that I figured was uh, kind of where the, the train was going so um, I guess you guys outnumber me with physical touch so we'll go to quality time next um, why do you think it's let's just cut to the chase why do you think so many people want quality time in this community what is that We'll ask the same question with physical touch, but what is it about quality time that we are all craving like to such a lopsided tilted degree? I think it represents intimacy. um, And it's kind of a venue for intimacy in a way that say like gifts or acts of service uh, aren't, aren't really Mm -hmm. like, so I think intimacy is mediated through, through that quality time together and through physical touch. I think time is one of our most valuable resources these days with the way the world is. And it's, it's easy perhaps to be quick with giving a gift or sending like a Facebook message virtually or whatever it is, but having somebody actually carve out time from their busy schedule and spend it with you to me demonstrates um, they must like you and, and love you in order to, choose to do that and take their time out of their day. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I'll just speak for myself. The reason it's so high, why it's the highest on my list is that I just feel, yeah, the, how fleeting time is. And when it's connected with my sexuality and like time that I want to spend with other men, um, I feel like I'm almost having to catch up on all the time that I didn't have as a kid. Like when I was, when I was growing up, I didn't spend time with the other boys. I just didn't, didn't have that. I didn't have that growing up. Um, like a lot of other people do inside this community and out. And so, so there's this sense that I'm almost feeling like, like, yeah, I'm still like, if I had to add up all the hours I've spent with men, I'm still only at 17 years old. Like these kids were always doing on sports teams together or sleepovers or whatever. Um, and I, I didn't have a lot of that growing up. And so I think that's a huge part of the reason why it resonates so high with me is that I just, um, yeah, there is this sense that, okay, now I've done a lot of done a lot of work, done a lot of growth over the years, and now I can enjoy quality time in a way that I never was able to as a teenager. And so, um, so that's a huge that's a huge one for me um, when I tie this when I tie this to my sexuality and 
And I love spending time with women too. It's kind of actually Will Cooper wrote a, a really meaningful blog post recently as of this recording um, about how a lot of guys in this community, we, we kind of have a lopsided relationship with men and women and, and need more women in our lives. And I feel that conviction in my life that I need more, more time spent with women as well. There's kind of like, I just want to spend time ultimately with all different types of people. I don't want to just gravitate toward, toward just men or just SSA gay men or just whatever, you know, I want to, I want to try to connect with as many people as possible and spend as much time with as many people as possible. And that's, um, something that I've just kind of realized how I'm wired, uh, these last few years. Here's a question for you, Tom, since, since you're pretty high in the quality time, what, what makes time like one-on-one time, what makes one-on-one time quality one-on-one time and not like, I mean, what, like, yeah, I I guess help me understand what, what does the quality mean there? This is a, yeah, this is something I've thought about over the years because there's the generalized stereotype that women connect in the being and men connect in the doing, um, Mm -hmm. or to put that in a diagram, women connect sitting across from each other, men connect side by side, um, and so what that means is a lot of times men, they'll connect. Yeah, they, they bond by doing things together, whether, whether it's working out together, going on hikes or playing basketball or whatever. There's a lot of doing or watching the big game, even watching a game, you're sitting side by side on a couch, right? And so um, versus women who maybe are more like they look at each other, they sit across from each other, they talk. Um, it's not to say that men don't talk, but, but that's definitely something that I've resonated with. Ever since I wrote my first book, I started all of a sudden having these encounters, these coffee shop encounters with my readers. And now, now that Yab has become a thing, like, you know, during non-pandemic years, it, it seems like every month I'm connecting with a reader in some part of the country and connecting across from them, across from a coffee shop, or um, or even just reading emails. Like I'm across from them in a sense that I'm I'm across from them and I'm more existing in the being um and sharing my story here and theirs. And that's ex- extremely meaningful for me. Um and I don't want to necessarily lessen that, but I also want to recognize that other men who are also high in quality time, maybe they're more wired toward the doing side of quality time versus the being. And that's something that I want to do. I kind of want to up my game a little bit as far as being open to something that might be out of my comfort zone. I might like the quality time just in general, just being around a man, being around a group of men. Um, but just because my comfort zone is to sit across from them at a coffee shop or at a dinner, um, and theirs is something else entirely. Like I want to be able to reciprocate better with depending on the type of man um, and mm. how they bond, whether in the being or the doing. So, so that'd be my answer. My long-winded answer to that is like, yeah, I my number one go-to love, deep, meaningful conversation. I think that hits on a lot of my fourness. Going back to Enneagram, I just love like, let's cut through the shallow end. Let's get straight to the deep end. Let's figure out why we are the way they are, what hurts us and what makes us tick. And I, li- I live for that type of, of interaction with my fellow man, but yeah, I want to bond in the doing too. And so it doesn't have to be all heavy and serious all the time. I'm learning to lighten up. <laughs> I need to lighten up. Yeah. I will say, I feel like my most successful quality time with you, Tom, has been in doing things together, like the hiking oh. or watching things together. What's well, encouraging. Um, yeah. Yeah. I enjoy doing things with you. Yeah. We had some good times in Montana and, um, 
we watched this really weird cartoon marathon. I forget what that show was called. <laughs> it was really over fun. the garden wall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I made that. Aaron watch that too. And, oh, and you so, bonded yeah, in had, the quality. I've had time. that quality time it's experience with both of you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not just special to you, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, that was that was meaningful quality time. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging. Yeah, I feel insecure that I don't bond enough in the doing that it's too much being, and so that's that's encouraging to me actually that you shared that. Um, any closing thoughts on quality time? I think one more comment on the quality portion is, um, I find that if I'm doing something that feels like work to me with somebody that usually counts less as quality time. So like, um, my roommate, Joseph, we bought our house together and stuff recently. And for him, he's very much a high introvert. I'm very much. I'm kind of an ambivert, a little bit in the middle, but quality time is pretty high for me as well. And so quality time is important. And one of the issues we had was we would spend hours together trying to figure out paperwork and get stuff ready for moving into a house and blah, 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 picking up furniture. And then I'd be like, all right, so let's go hang out and do something. He's like, I need to just go be alone. <laughs> like in he's, my like, room. he's like, we just did. What are you talking about? Right, right. Yeah, he's sitting there going, well, yeah. what, were, what were the several hours we spent? And so I think for me, the quality part is like, I want to be doing something I enjoy with people mm. that I enjoy, whether that's deep conversation mm. or just playing video games or being outside. Like That's more what I like. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. There's like such a spectrum on what, what do people qualify as quality time you know the being the doing and then even in the doing like if it's more work or task oriented versus recreational like that there's a difference in that too and some people like for like i love that example because like for from his vantage point he his cup overflows like he just had this amazing all this time with you and then for you you're like wait that's it now now you know exactly we're all wired differently and it's fun to see yeah how these all how these all coalesce um, let's close the convo, you guys, with physical touch. This is the big one. This is the rallying cry of the Your Other Brothers community uh, love language. How does physical touch and sexuality, how do those intermingle with you guys? I think part of the issue with physical touch, uh, maybe as a conversation and topic, is that a lot of times this is the one that people most readily go, well, you're attracted to men. Of course, you want to cuddle with them. Like, there's nothing more to it than your sexual desires. And you're just looking for as much sexual intimacy as you can get, that kind of thing. And I don't, I mean, I think that can be the case, certainly. Um, But I think by and large, that isn't the case. And so it's kind of, how do you weed out what's somehow connected to attraction, what isn't, and the different types of attraction how do you navigate mm-hmm. that safely and those sorts of things can be pretty difficult to weed through. Yeah. My, my desire for physical touch is certainly correlated um, with my sexuality because that, that the touch that I want is like my desires are gendered, right? Like I want touch from men. I don't really care that much about touch from women. Um and so, yeah, it is sort of like awkward to try to explain that to somebody who who hasn't really like done a lot of the thought about the nuances of sexuality and how sexuality plays out. Um, and, and and so I use the word correlated. My my desires are correlated to my sexuality because I don't I don't know that I don't know what the causality 
there is like you know when if you're familiar with this like the the correlation causation like fallacy like just because two things are correlated doesn't mean you can say one causes the other um and so i don't think that you know i i just don't know does my desire for physical touch from men does that cause in me a desire for uh, for sexual encounters with men uh or like or is or does my desire for sexual encounters with men does that somehow like um give me this desire for physical touch or cuddling because that's what i'm uh that's what i feel like i can allow myself to do um yeah so i i just i i don't think it's useful to sort of um agonize over all that i think that uh, but but I think it is helpful to recognize that, yes, my desire for physical touch, my experience of physical touch is, um, it does, does touch my sexuality in a lot of ways. It has a lot to do with my sexuality, but I don't think that that's the kind of immediate, like, concerning red flag that, um, that a lot of people on the outside of this conversation uh, tend to sort of zero in on. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple stories that connect with physical touch. The first one was the first time I was living with people, um, as an adult, we, this is actually the first time I ever got introduced to the, to the love languages, what those even were. Cause they were all, they're all about surprise. They're all about personality tests and learning why we are the way they are. And so they'd mentioned this love language thing. And so there were people that I was living with, but then also all of their friends. And so there must've been like 10 or 15 of us in a living room. And we were all taking like one at a time, I think sharing a laptop, we we're all taking turns, like uh, taking the love languages quiz. I don't think it was officially a Gary Chap quiz. I think it was some other one out there. There's probably a million of them out there, but um, but the, the, the vibe of the room was, this was a very touchy feely group and everyone was scoring really high on physical touch. And up until that point, like, you know, I was 23 years old. Like I didn't really have a whole lot of physical touch, certainly not with other men. Um, and so I almost felt like this pressure to answer the questions in such a way that my physical touch score would score high because I didn't want to be the one person that was like low in physical touch and feel excluded because I definitely wanted it. I just didn't know how much I wanted it. It was such a big question mark, such a big unknown for me at the time. Um, and so I answered the questions the way I felt pressured to and scored high along with everyone else. And we were all, I think we probably literally did a group hug or something after that. So physical touch, a palooza in that living room. Um, and then it goes a couple years later, or it might've been a year later that I was working at, I was working in a ministry one summer and we, the, the subject of love languages came up and we were talking about how we could all, this small team of, of five people, how we could all like minister to one another. Like, how are you wired? How are, how are you, how am I wired? Um, and up until that point, then I started to experience physical touch. I actually verbalized it to, to the team, which was male and female, but kind of looking more at the, the male in the room and being like, yeah, physical touch for me is, is definitely the most. And, um, and he asked me, cause he was, he's a straight guy and he asked me, so like, so what does that mean? What does that look like for you? Do you, do you just love hugs? Do you love a pat on the back? Like what, what do you like? And, and in my head, I'm just like, yes, all of it. Like, just touch me, touch me as much as you can. <laughs> Whatever you'll give me. <laughs> Whatever you'll give me. Please just touch me. Um, and that's to this day, some of the most meaningful touch I've ever had. I, I blogged about this guy and 
the experiences that we've had. Cause I remember one time that I, I shared my sexuality with him. I told him the story and he hugged me three times, not just once, not just twice, but three times um, as we walked around a park. And then at the end of that, we sat on a bench next to each other and he put his hand on my back and prayed for me, prayed over me. Um, and that's some of the most meaningful, like the mixture of quality time and words of affirmation and physical touch. Like that's some of the most like potent combination of love languages as far as this conversation goes that, that I've ever had in my life, because a lot of it was just so fresh and so new. I've never had, I had never had like conversations like that with other people before other interactions like that with other people before. And so, um, so I feel like it's like this elixir, like I feel this thing, like physical touch with men, like does something to me. It has this like power to it that, that other men don't have. And, and the flip side of that, we don't have time for this conversation for like, this will be a whole nother podcast one day, but the dark side of physical touch for me is, is really just like, that's kind of the other side of how potent and how powerful it is. Like I've had a lot of negative experiences with physical touch and, and this came up a little bit during our Zoom room and I really appreciated the guys who shared um, really vulnerably sharing about stories of abuse or just sharing about boundaries being crossed and how physical touch, it's like, yeah, it, it's really great when it's great and it's really not great when it's not great. And so so that's why I kind of feel like my my physical touch score over the years is like, I think it's definitely been higher in the past. And now I kind of hold, I hold this quality time more as like the baseline of like what I'm personally, um, what personally stirs the most in me. Um, but, but physical touch, not to say I'm like repulsed by touch anymore, but, um, it kind of, it lands differently, I guess, with, with an accumulation of life experiences with, um, with boundaries being crossed with just kind of unfortunate experiences I've shared with other men and memories that it triggers. Like, I think that is a huge reason why, um, where it's kind of more of a middle of the road love language for me now versus where it was, where it was in the past. And of all five, I mean, sexuality, this is the one that's like most clear. I, I can point to reasons <laughs> why, how my sexuality mm -hmm. affects and correlates mixes with, uh, with this love language compared to the other four. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And on that topic of how powerful it is, like I've, I've, said this to, to a friend before, like the weight of my heart is through my skin. And so I think that like, uh, we do have to like guard, guard that, um, you know, and, and, and uh, back to what you said about love languages, maybe sometimes being manipulative. Like I, they're, they're meant to express something that already exists. They're not meant to sort of like, um, uh, create, create love, I guess. Um, and so one of my, one of my, I guess one of my anxieties about recording this podcast episode is that people who I don't know very well, well, are going to listen to it and think, Oh, Ryan loves physical touch and people I don't, you know, I'm going to meet people and they're going to be like all, all touchy and all about me. And, um, when like this, I'm talking about with people that I like, know well and, and love and have deep affection for. Um, so I, I guess to kind of generalize that for like the whole, the whole topic, um, like when you find, when you find out somebody likes say physical touch, like that's not, that's not suddenly like a good reason to start giving them a bunch of it. Um, or even gifts, you know, um, you have to, uh, you have to be kind of, I, it, it's wise to be circumspect about like what, um, what's the right thing to be giving right now or what's the right thing to be expecting even. 
Yeah, I love how you put it. The love language already manifests what's there. It's not like trying to force this thing to happen. Like that's that's a really beautiful way, succinct way to put it. I think there've mm-hmm. been times where I've tried to Yeah, I'm just going to use the word manipulate. I've I've manipulated primarily men with these five love languages. Like I probably come mm-hmm. point to examples amongst all of them, but um but primarily with yeah, I think physical touch is a huge one. Like trying to use this one in particular to force something that isn't there, that it's not ready to be there. And, and I wrestle with that dichotomy of like wanting, wanting to tell somebody what I need, like just telling them like, I need this, I need this X, Y, and Z. And then wondering how genuine it is. Cause that came up in our call too. It's like, is it, is it genuine to tell people that you really need a hug and then they give it versus like hoping that they just have ESP ESPN and they just like know <laughs> inherently to give you a hug or whatever, whatever, a gift or, or what have you. Um, there's, there's a lot of guys I think that, and I wrestle with that too, of just like how, how do I verbalize what I want and how do I, but then, but then when I get it, does it feel cheapened? Does it not feel as authentic as it would have been if they could read my mind, read my heart and know that inherently, like it's, there's a balance there with that. Yeah, that's hard. And I think some of it is, okay, if I tell them I need a hug and they give me a hug and then they don't ever give me a hug again, like that feels pretty cheap. But if yeah. they think like if they remember and continue to give me the hug going forward, then in some ways that shows that they cared enough to try to correct things and like go out of their way to give you the love that maybe they don't naturally just express. That was, and that was one of the questions. I don't know if you guys remember that on the Gary Chap (laughs) quiz. I think one of the ones was like, knowing that a friend is using a love language that doesn't come naturally to them or something, something to that effect. And I I selected that one over whatever the other one was. Cause like, yeah, that's meaningful to me. If someone who isn't, particularly prone to physical touch or, or words of affirmation or whatever. Um, they know that it lands with me and that they give that to me. Like that is extremely meaningful that they would go out of their way to, to do something that comes, yeah, it doesn't come as easily to them. Over the years, I've used many friends, manipulated them, the, the brutal truth of it all with the five love languages. None more so than one particular friend that I think I may have used all of them, all in an effort to gain something for myself. And I recognize in relationship, in friendship, to some extent we're all giving in order to get on some base human level. We're social creatures, after all. We need to be connected. It's for our betterment, for our growth. This one particular friend though, I can see myself extending love to him across the board in all these areas, all in an effort to get something, to have someone with a best friend label, someone I can spend literally every day with, someone who gives me a sense of security without me necessarily giving that back to him, where he's at, what he's going through. In the realm of quality time, I'd schedule trips, trips to visit him, trips to have him visit me, constantly planning time together, feeling deprived, feeling an utter sense of loss when we were apart. In the realm of service, I'd drive him around, take him places, drop everything I was doing in order to be there, to win points, to be known as somebody that he could count on. A noble endeavor, maybe, but something that I 
certainly wouldn't offer other friends in my life. My undivided attention with no, with no regard for my own self-care, things I had going on, things I needed to do. He shared some of the most meaningful words of affirmation for me, and we exchanged some meaningful gifts over the years. But perhaps the realm of physical touch is the one that stands out the most, the one I wince hardest at when I think back on this particular friendship. Because along with our quality time spent together, any time separated from his skin was demoralizing, defeating. I craved it, and the more I got, the more I craved. The unhealthier it grew, spiraling into something that I couldn't control anymore. I'd literally lie in bed at night thinking about when I could touch him again, when I could have that control in my life where I wasn't sleeping alone, separated. I just wanted to control every aspect of the relationship in hopes that he would change into the person I wanted him to be rather than be present with what he was. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he beautifully lays out what love is and what love isn't. And we hear this passage often read at weddings and other maybe more romantic settings, but truly Paul's words about love apply across the board to people who are married and to people who are not, for single people, for friends. I want so badly to epitomize the kind of love that Paul writes about here, to be known for that kind of love. It's my hope that friendships failed and friendships still going can point to the true form, the true representation of all love, to Jesus. The ESV version of 1 Corinthians 13 reads as follows. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, they will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, 
then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And so, my brothers, you who love well through touch, and you who love through time, you who love through words and service, through giving presence and sharing presence, however we give our love, may it ever be given genuinely, insisting nothing of its own way. And God grant us this same love in return, true love from brothers and sisters, young and old, single, married, across every season of our lives, through this very season, sharing a love born from before the beginning of all time, a love that continues through the ages, persists through you and me and on into a thousand tomorrows, love that never ends. Ryan and Aaron, this was awesome. Thank you guys for coming on mm -hmm. and sharing yeah. some stories. I loved this conversation. It was good to learn about each of you guys as my friends, as someone that I express love with. I love and like each of you. Aw. Aw, thanks. You too. I was and completely that is... <laughs> unprompted and unscripted. I, I came that. here today completely planning to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Not prompted by anyone's thoughts earlier. Yeah, no, but it, it does flow from something that hopefully you guys feel is already, already established. So thank you guys. Thank you guys for talking with me today as always. And, and thank you guys out there for listening. Where did the love languages land with you guys? What's your, what's your favorite, so to speak, or your primary, I guess that's the better way to say it. What's your primary love language? Uh, which one doesn't really land with you as easily as the others? I uh, would love to hear that. And then if you have any thoughts beyond what we shared, how these love languages tie into your sexuality, um, I think there's, I feel like there's a lot of interesting tangents that this conversation could go. So I would love to hear as many perspectives as possible. Just go over to our podcast episode page, yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Look for the episode 79 post on love languages and sexuality and share your story. If you want to take the test and you can have the same percentages that we shared on the show to be consistent, uh, I would love to hear, yeah, how you guys land. Shocker of all shockers. Uh, yeah. If you're, if you're in the minority with gifts, with acts of service, I would love to hear your perspective as well. Or if you're a run of the mill, physical touch boy, we would love to hear from you as well. <laughs> Everyone is welcome at this table. Um, and a big shout out to our sixth love language memes, because again, I honestly think sense of humor is another love language. That is something that I, I would put that in my solid number two, honestly. Um, so thank you for memes for bringing some hilarity, for connecting the world through your depictions of images and words at just the right time. We'll be back soon with something, either a convo cast, a job cast, stay tuned. Something's coming next week. I, I don't know, we're, we're still picking up the pieces, shuffling things around. Um, but yeah, we'll be back soon with another fantastic episode maybe a ryan rant about the love languages who knows stay tuned for whatever is to come in the meantime for all your other brothers my name is tom i'm aaron and this is ryan reminding you that you are not alone even the sparrow finds a home see you next time everybody bye bye thanks for listening to your other brothers podcast 
Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. Theme music is Fear Is Not My Lover by Nathan Rousseau. We'd love to hear your story. Comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at 706-389-8009. You can also email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com. Or write to us at Your Other Brothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. If you enjoy our show, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. Finally, if you'd like to further support our storytelling, community building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks like bonus podcast content, access to a secret Facebook group, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash your other bros for more information. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us. <laughs>